Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Subway, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Hello there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything. How are you all doing? Yes, beautiful. We're back to the World Cafe live show. You know how we do it and you know how we say it. We come into the space to lean on one another's experience to forge a path. How are you? I'm good where I am. It's been sunny here, you know, uh, with some, you know, pockets of showers here and there, but uh, relatively sunny through uh, the best of the day, you know, and I'm so happy. Yes, we're back. Today, we have something very, very beautiful we're going to be talking about. The much ado about work. It sounds poetic, but don't worry. It's something serious. And I have a wonderful guest that will be doing this, you know, with me. He's around. Yes, it's a he. He's here with us. His name is Raven. Jesu Tharson. I, I hope I got it correctly. That name, he, he describes himself as a futurist, a thought leader, a futurist, and, you know, that mind that forges our thoughts within the workspace. Enough of my talking. I'm going to bring him on now, and we will start the show. Where is he? And there he is. <laughs> Hi, Robin. Hey, Amakri. Nice to be here with you. How are you all how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well. I'm very well. I know before we started this show, I was trying to find out from you where you are. Uh, I mean, what's the weather like? And it's bright and sunny from your end. Yep. I'm in beautiful Chicago. It's uh, 11 o'clock wow. in the morning and it's just beautiful out there. The lakefront looks stunning. The uh, Not a cloud in the sky. So it's mm. uh, nothing to complain about. Can imagine. Good. Good to have you on the show. So before we, you know, dive into the discussion for the day who is this personality because definitely we've been seeing him practically everywhere you know divorce you know on linkedin on youtube on facebook doing something about work and all that so who is Revan? Let, let's let's get to hear you well uh well thank you again amakri for having me so um my background is i um i take care of the transformation business globally at, a, at mercer which is the uh, the mm. largest human capital consulting firm in the world. I have Whoa. been a consultant for over 30 years. Um, mm. s- since about 2007, um, before the term future of work was coined, mm-hmm. I started doing a lot more work into how work was evolving, how work was changing, uh, started engaging in a lot more research in the space. And uh, that has led to, um, as you know, four books on the future of work, I also have been working with the World Economic Forum since 2015, and I sit on the steering committee on work and employment, um, have Mm -hmm. partnered with them on about 11 research studies uh, in that Mm -hmm. time, Um, have also had the privilege of of writing quite a few articles for the Harvard Business Review and the Sloan Management Review, and um, 
Perhaps most importantly, the thing I probably enjoy the most is the opportunity to partner with my colleagues, to partner with my clients, uh, mm-hmm. really make a difference at their moments that matter um, and to innovate, um, you know, where it really counts and makes a difference. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, great to be here. Good, 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 good to have you. You know, looking at what you just said now, you have seen this, the future of work, let's say 20 years ago or something, you know, I mean, what was it like when you started talking about this, maybe before your colleagues, clients, and how did they perceive you? Yeah, it was really interesting because um, when we, when I first started doing this work, we engaged in a little bit of research to understand how work was changing. Um, and we started to push on the boundaries. And I remember when my second book came out, um, this was in uh, 2015, mm-hmm. and it was called Lead the Work, Navigating a World Beyond Employment. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was all about how work was leaving the organizational boundary. And at yeah. that time, um, you know, many leaders didn't fully understand that that's very si- significant and seismic shifts that were happening. You know, mm-hmm. today, there are companies where more than 80% of their workforce is made up of non-employee labor. But mm. back then, I had what I once had a colleague tell me, you know, this this is interesting, but this has nothing to do with what our clients are interested in. You know, our clients are really interested in, in how they increase the productivity of their employees. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that was interesting, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago, but if today 30% of the average company's work is done by non-employee labor and that number is shrinking faster than anything else, the number of mm. employees, you know, yeah. it behooves us to be able to help our clients think about the full scale of, of how they're getting work done and craft solutions that make a difference. So it was very interesting, even back in 2014, 2015, when you know we think of gig workers today as being kind of the norm you know it's something that but not that long ago you know we're only talking about seven years ago um Mm. you know for many people there was a perception that this was something on the fringes of the mainstream versus you know we were actually my co-authors john boudreau and david krillman and i were actually seeing it as the start of a fundamental and very pivotal shift in how companies get work done you know, once I, I, I did a write-up about gig economy somewhere and they shut me down. They were like, oh, you don't have to talk about this. You, you know, we don't talk about this around here. You know, there's, what is gig economy all about? And after the COVID or within the COVID, all of a sudden we just saw ourselves. <laughs> you know, it's obvious. So yeah. I was like, when I saw your work, uh, the work without job, more or less like pushing into the gig economy and all that. I was like, so after all, I, I'm not alone on this path. And reading your work is like, wow, you've come a long way on this subject. Now, why did you choose that topic for your bestseller, the Wall Street uh, Journal bestseller? That's the work without job. Why that title, work without job? Yeah, I'm glad you asked the question, Amakri, because... The reason my co-author John Boudreau and I picked that title was that we are actually seeing a fundamental shift in the organizing construct for work in in Mm. companies. And we're also seeing an issue with the current work operating system. That current work operating system is based on that pivotal and fundamental notion of 
employees and jobs as being mm-hmm. and jobs being the currency of work and that one to one relationship between a person and a position or a job holder and a job is mm-hmm. increasingly proving to be unfit for where the world of work is going it yeah. is not agile enough to respond to challenges like the pandemic mm-hmm. it's not um flexible enough to respond to the changing needs of organizations um and it's not resilient enough to enable a company to be able to retool its business model in the ways that are required for the future mm-hmm. and so what john and i proposed is a new work operating system with this notion of tasks and skills as the currency of work and that requires a fundamental rethink of organizations because if you step back and think about it amakri mm-hmm. uh, everything we know about organizations is based on that notion of a job jobs are aggregated into job families those job families into functions those functions into our traditional organizational structure everything mm-hmm. that hr does is based on managing the flow of talent from one job to another and ensuring that talent is engaged and productive and motivated while they are in jobs mm. and that finance does is are about control systems organized around the job as the basic currency of work technology is organized around this notion of people and jobs and so a fundamental retool of the entire operating system was what was called for and that's why we use the phrase work without jobs you know a lot of people say boy is that just the clickbait right um uh-huh. and and actually it's not because what we're trying to point to is you know we're not saying that jobs will go away we will still have jobs for the foreseeable future but the share of work that is done by employees in fixed full-time positions is going to shrink dramatically now that doesn't mean everyone is a gig worker but uh-huh. increasingly we're seeing more and more talent might be employees but they're not bound up in a job they have the okay. ability to flow to work and take on projects and assignments across the organization and it's one of the reasons why we see the internal marketplace the internal talent marketplace yeah. becoming one of the most important technology investments that companies are making mm. Mm. okay now i'm going to ask you this question because i know uh things like this are more or less disruptive they they they, they challenge the status quo and kind of push us beyond what we are used to. So what has the response been like for you discussing with your clients, the big companies and all that? How are they embracing this? Yeah. So uh actually the response has been fabulous. As you mentioned, um the book um is at number 3 on the Wall Street Journal bestseller yeah. list. Yeah. So it's certainly an idea that has really resonated with um uh companies and business leaders. but but i think that it's important to kind of look back a mockery to the mm-hmm. last two books that we wrote so beginning with lead the work navigating a world beyond employment uh in 2015 reinventing jobs in 2018 mm-hmm. which was published by the harvard business review um and that and the first book was about how work was escaping the organizational boundary okay. the second book was about how companies can get to the optimal combinations of automation and ai and mm-hmm. work or talent. And then this what this third book does is build on those two to let bring those ideas together into a new work operating system. And the thing that we do um you know that William Gibson's great quote, right? The future is here, it's just unevenly distributed. Mm. That in all three books we have in total several hundred case studies 
to illustrate the many different companies that have started to move in this direction, their experiences, how they've developed these ideas and how they've moved it forward. And, and you'll see that in Work Without Jobs because all our books are intended to be very practical guides for business leaders, mm-hmm. how to reinvent for the future. So I would say, you know, a lot of these ideas are starting to take hold in a big way. Now, some companies focus on one small piece of it. Some mm. companies focus on another piece. But, you know, when I look at companies like Unilever and Standard Chartered, you know, we see great evidence of this new work operating system coming to fruition in all aspects of their business model. All right. Now, for the companies you have mentioned, they are more of service providers, more or less, or consumer and all that. Can we put this, say, for the tech companies, oil and gas, how would this play out for them? Work yeah. without job. How would how would it play out for them? Yeah. So, yes, we absolutely have uh, many examples in technology. You know, there's one of the case studies in reinventing job was Hire. Hire is the largest appliance manufacturer in the world. It's based in China. Mm. And they have completely, over the years, reinvented their business model to create not one large assembly line-based manufacturer, mm. but a series of 220 micro-businesses where human centricity for work is sort of the organizing construct. So we've okay. seen the ideas play out in manufacturing. We've certainly see it, seen it play out in, in tech, which is far more human-centric than many other business models. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it in logistics with, you know, there are great examples of DHL and what they've done in the book. Um, there's also great examples of work with a number of oil and gas companies that have reinvented themselves to get to levels of productivity and profitability that were much, much higher, while at mm-hmm. the same time, not diminishing their employment. So reskilling and upskilling their people to take on more productive, more valuable work and mm-hmm. making the most of human capacity, even as they increase their use of automation. Okay. One, say somebody walks along the street and sees your book and picks it up. I said, yes, I've been hearing about this book and I've been seeing this face, the two guys and all that. So are they trying to tell us now that remote working is the future? You know, because work without jobs somewhat brings this, uh, what I say, attention to remote working and promoting it and all that. And we have a school of thought who are trying to fight against, you know, remote working. How do we get both ends to see themselves and say that listen we can be better going forward how do we do that yeah so let me maybe just set the stage amakri with sort of defining how we think about work right certainly remote working which captures the where and when of work is Mm -hmm. two dimensions right but the other dimensions of what is the work how is the work done who's doing the work including automation, and then why do people engage with work, which is a really important question and a question that many in the global workforce are asking themselves. Why should I come work for your organization? Why should I work, you know, how does your mission and purpose align with the impact I want to leave on this planet? Um, so, So those are the six dimensions we think about. But when it comes to the where and when, I, I think that's such, you know, it's obviously one of the most timely and pivotal questions we're wrestling with because we have, you know, companies like Airbnb, which will mm-hmm. let you, uh, th- let their talent work from anywhere. 
and the organization is being calibrated to enable and support that talent from working from anywhere. And the benefits of that are massive, right? You get access to a talent pool that is not limited to the city in which you're based. You get, uh, you create a fundamentally different culture. Um, but I also think there is real value for in-person collaboration, in-person human connection, right? Beyond what we're doing now on a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there is value for innovation. I think there's value for for um, human connectivity with particular manager and his or her team, with colleagues to build trust, to build connection. There is a real place for human connection. But I think anyone attempting to go back to 2019 has lost the plot. Mm. I think any business leader who says you are going, to, we're going to be back in the offices, and you know, we know of quite a few leaders in the last few months who have come out and made these proclamations and we have already seen some of them pay a huge price with the exodus of talent from their organizations and frankly I think they are missing the bigger point I think you know in 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 an environment where we can be really specific about what do we need the office for we need the office for again those things I mentioned right connection is at a premium where collaboration in-person collaboration yields some exponential value where new colleagues can meet others and come along and be a part of the culture beyond the connection over a screen. Um, I think there's value for that. Mm-hmm. Equally, I think there is real value for, you know, um, for remote work, right? When you're doing right. heads down work, um, there's no reason for you to be within an office. Um, there are many things we can do, like we're doing on on Zoom or, or, or Teams, etc. And yeah. and I think many business leaders have not been clear when they issue edicts like we are all you all need to be back in the office. Some might think that when I say um, we're back in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday and Friday, you can work from home. They think that's flexibility. But as I say to my clients, it's not flexibility if it's not a choice. Mm. Unless I have a choice and I understand the conditions around which those choices are made, I understand when I need to be in the office, why mm. I need to be in the office, and, mm. and here's, why, here's the value it's going to be having because here's what we're going to be doing and here's yeah. how it's going to make a difference to our company. So I think you know, what we need is a mindset where we don't lead with policy, but we lead with the work and we lead with an understanding of the nuances of work and where work needs to be performed in certain ways. And we make it clear to all of our stakeholders as to why this is the best way versus that being the best way for that other body of work. Now, hearing you clearly is a question of trust here because we're not leading with policy, but we're leading with work. So that trust element comes into play. And it's like traditional traditional way of working where the boss is always hovering around like a hawk looking at over the shoulders of the people are they doing their job or whatever. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the flexibility, then also trust in the workforce the talent pool, as we, we, we may call it, wherever they are distributed, you'll see that they are delivering value at the end of the day. That is what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Now, now let, let us look at what Elon said, uh, I think, was it two weeks ago? I don't know if you saw his his email to his staff and all that. Well, what's your take on it? Like, guys, we're all coming back to the off, that space again and all that. What's your take on his 
his email. Again, I I go back to Mark Reed saying I I don't want to com- comment on what Elon Musk said or, or what Tesla does. Um, that's that's not my place to do that. But I will say, as a general rule, um, organizations who think they can go back to 2019, where it's a command and control model, where you know we're back in the office and you don't mm-hmm. have any choices, um, you are setting yourself up. For a very challenging time, I don't want to say you're setting yourself up for failure. I think you're making it. You're going to make it incredibly hard on yourself mm. to create a culture of trust, to create a, to attract talent, to retain talent. Most importantly, and to your point that you made a second ago, what is going to motivate me to unleash my discretionary effort and contribute that extra hour, that extra unit of energy, that extra unit of brain power to your mission? When at the heart of it, I know you don't trust me. Mm. I know you, you know, I, you, you believe that I'm only valuable when I'm back in the office. Um, I, you know, we Mercer did a, a major. There's a major study called our Global Talent Trends Study, and we do it every year. And we did it for the 14th time this year. And the resounding message, Amakri, was people don't want to work for you; they want to work with you. They with want. You. An equitable and economically viable and sustainable relationship with an employer, mm. one where the employer is committed to meeting them on their terms, their individual terms, and recognizing that I bring value, I bring value and and have the ability to contribute. I want you to trust me. I want you to be collaborative with me. I want you to share information with me. I want. I know you can't promise me employment. But you absolutely have to promise me that you will keep me relevant for a changing world. You'll show me how work is changing. You'll give me access to opportunities to improve my skills, um, mm. and you will give me access to opportunities so I can keep growing and developing. It's like it's like that saying. You look at the bigger picture. We all see is a picture, but when we go to look at the picture or the frame, the first thing we go for is to see my face in that picture. What do I look like in that picture? That's what you're saying, and my face is a contribution to the whole pack, the beauty that comes out of that frame. Beautiful. Now, you've been doing your work. I want to believe mainly in the U.S., Europe, and America, as in Canada and the likes. Um, actually, what do you? Actually, I was going to say I've worked with companies all over the world. I've worked with companies in the Middle East, um, in in okay. India, in in Japan, in Singapore, mm-hmm. as well as many companies in South America and Latin America. Okay, so have you done any job in Africa, as in with any company? I have in not Africa? had the pleasure. I I've only had the pleasure of visiting Africa, and uh, those have been some of my best vacations ever. But I've not okay. had the pleasure of working with companies in Africa. But from where you stand, what do you think? Let's say, take a peek from where you stand. Do we in Africa? Do you think we're we're ready to take this leap based on your uh, book and all that you experience? Are we ready for it? Because we're still trying to catch up on all. I mean, all the events going on in in the workplace. Do you think we're ready for that? Yeah, I absolutely think so, Amakri. I I think that there's two. Thoughts I have. One is the most important mindset that we have is the ability to not be held back by our legacy. And in many respects, I think 
you know, in Africa, we have an opportunity for, for talent. You know, talent is young. They're curious. Um, they're, they're willing to learn. I think the op- if we can sort of ensure that we are providing people with the opportunity to continuously acquire new skills, you know, um, the great futurist Alvin Toffler in his book Future Shark in 1970 said mm. the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who can't read and write. Mm-hmm. It will be those who can't learn, learn unlearn, unlearn and, and relearn. Exactly. And I think that's the mindset that we need to have. Um, frankly, all over the world. But I also think Africa is somewhat unencumbered by these legacy ways of working, right? I see so much change resistance in mm. different parts of the world um, because it's like, well, this worked really well for us. Why Why do we need to change? You know, can't we just... And it's a little bit like what you just said about going back into the office, right? Because it mm-hmm. worked well. So let's go back there. And... But it doesn't work well anymore because the world and, and everyone in the world has moved on. And I think, <laughs> you know, I, I would suggest that in Africa, instead of looking to catch up, how do we leapfrog to get to what's I like next? That. I like right? that. We're not catching up. We should leapfrog. Amazing. Guys, we've been discussing with Raven Jesse Parson, as in we're talking about work, the future of work and all that. You will agree with me. He has a lot to share with us as an unpack and let us see. So what are you, what's, what's, what's up with you as in the few months wrapping up 2022 into 2023? What are you up to? Yeah. So I, you know, since the book was published uh, at the, at, you know, in early April, um, I've just been doing, as you mentioned, a lot of speaking engagements. There are a lot of people that are very curious. So I travel very extensively around the world. I've got, you know, a lot more trips to spend time with um, government leaders and business leaders around the world. Um, our book is going to be published in Chinese next. and, and Mandarin, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, and, and, and a couple of other languages. So very excited by what the book has done. And, and I hope it'll be a, a force for good, a force for change. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm just enjoying the the opportunities to speak with many people around the world like like you Amakri about some of these ideas beautiful. beautiful right i know you're very busy and like i said we won't keep you here for long but i'm going to ask you this question how do you juggle it family life and what you do how do you juggle it i have an amazing wife who is so very supportive who without whom I could never accomplish anything that I accomplish. I've got, my, my kids are older, they've grown up, they've, uh, they, they both work, um, but I'm so blessed with them. They are, they are in many ways like my Petri dish and they, I watch mm. how they've grown up and they are, they're, intelli- they're intelligent, they're kind to everyone, they're curious. I see them as being real role models. They're kind of my heroes, my kids are. You know, because I, I see them as manifesting the good in this world. And I, you know, I try to be like that in many ways. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Guys, I can just go on and on with uh, Ravin. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying every moment with him, but I need to let him go also to catch up with the uh, other activities for the day. But I know you've enjoyed every bit of, I mean, this discussion. And, uh, let me put him on the spot here. Will you come back when we when we ask for you to come to continue this discussion? I would be delighted to, Amakri. 
Thank you. We'll take you on that. All right, guys, you know how we say it. We come into this space to lean on one another's experience to forge a path. Ah, till we come your way again. My name is Amakri. Amakri is away. Bye for now. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Before we sign off, I just want to encourage you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. And also, I'd like to hear from you your feedback. You know, you've been listening to the World Cafe podcast. I would love to hear from you the feedback. If you have any questions, yeah, you go ahead and ask those questions. You can reach me at my email address, amacrigaribaldi at gmail.com. Amacri is A-M-A-C-H-R-O-E-E. G-A-R-I-B-A-L-D-I at gmail.com Yeah. And uh, we'll get back. You know how we do it on the show. Thank you. Apart from time, it has been with you on the Word Cafe podcast today. Thank you for being there. You can catch me up on my social media handles Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words, and my HRO Notebook on Amazon and on Robin Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.